official soccer podcast. I am so excited to talk today about the Champions League final. Um, I'm here again with Justin and Manny. Uh, Justin and Manny, welcome. Welcome to this episode. Um, I think we have to dive right in because um, on Saturday, we're recording today on Tuesday, the 13th of, of June. On Saturday, we had the Champions League final. And I think I've heard from you, Manny, that it was a boring game. However, I thought it was a very tactical game and there was like it was like a chess game that was going back and forth. But, you know, we can delve into all of these situations uh, during um, the segment today. Um, today, we're just going to delve into the tactical battle, talk about the lineups, talk about the first half, second half and individual performances. I think there were certain players that stood out and for the good and bad reasons. Um, so we will talk about those. Um, and yeah, uh, I think the the first thing is just really to acknowledge uh, congratulations. I mean, uh, congratulations to, to to Manchester City for pulling the the treble, uh, which is a feat that not many teams have. I think when I saw I saw a stat somewhere, it was like was it like eleven teams or something like that has done this. Uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, but one team out of those eleven teams or so is Milan. And I just want to say. Like the great Mourinho would say, football heritage. Okay, sorry, I gotta plug in Milan, but I think oh, obviously, great win for for City. Um, anything, anything you want to say, Manny or Justin, before we dive into, uh, into the game proper. Yeah, it looks like um, Yaya Torre finally lifted that curse. Uh, I mean, he's over the fact that he didn't get a birthday cake or <laughs> birthday wishes. <laughs> At City, congratulations! Um, everyone should be thanking Yaya for that. Yeah, I think he was at the game. It was actually surprising. I wonder if he was happy or not. But I'm sure. He, maybe I, mean, I would assume he was happy. I, I don't know. Um, anyways, a, number, but, a number of Manchester City legends, I think, in the stadium. Wasn't Mario Balotelli doing commentary, or wasn't he there yeah. also? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was doing commentary because go. he played for both teams actually. So um, right. I'm sure he. I mean, I think he was happy from the commentary I, I was watching him in. But it was good to see that he's good at something else, uh, you know. <laughs> to be honest, I don't even know if he's still playing anymore. I know, I, whatever. I I used to love him, but he just let me down. Um, I'll just put it that way. Um, anyways, let's let's start off with, with uh, talking about champions. Um, I think uh, it's very notable and very pep for us to talk about the formation. I would never normally talk about the formation or the, the player choices. Um, so what I want to talk about here, obviously the glaring, glaring uh, issue here or what we thought was an issue uh, was the decision to bring back in Ake um, instead of Kyle Walker, right? Um, and of course that would have meant Akanji would stay on the left, and um, but Akanji was now on the right. Or no, Akanji was, was he on the right? I think it was on the right, um, um, because uh, um, Ruben Diaz was in the middle. So, uh, personally, I don't know what you all think, and I would love your thoughts here. But, you know, Ake was injured. I think he had uh, some, some injury that took him out for, like, uh, a few months. Um, I think he had played, uh, was it, he had played about the, maybe the third to the last or the second to the last game that City played in the EPL. Um, and that was it, I think, unless I'm, I'm misremembering. But I just find it very odd. And to me, it was very odd. And I thought, oh, my gosh, what is Pep doing? 
that he would make such a change, given that the last game that this team had played in the Champions League with, you know, Kyle Walker and Akanji and Diaz in the back, it was basically flawless, right? I mean, Kyle Walker handled uh, Vinicius Jr. very well. Once again, your thoughts here, like, why would anybody saying change the lineup from what worked and what's been working all season? And that's my first, like, ordeal about why this team probably did not play well. Um, any any thoughts there? Because I, for me, it's a, it's a strange decision for somebody that has not played much this season, or at least lately, versus somebody Corey. that has red hot. Corey, you call yourself a Pep Guardiola fan, right? Sure. How? What do you mean you're surprised? How can you can't believe it? This is a well, Pep doing Pep things. Well, it's a final. It's, it's a does. final. That, see, if it was if it was maybe a semifinal first game, I, I get it. But this is a final. One time, you you have no you have no second chances. I, I just don't understand why it takes takes such risk. You know, that's that's my I don't know. That that was a, a standout for me essentially. Um, In true yeah. Pep fashion. He had to change it. You know, he couldn't, uh, you know, how many times have we talked about Pep Galaxy brain, you know, and uh, it finally paid off. Now, I think to your point, I feel like um, if you look at the forwards and the wingbacks of Inter, they don't have the speed. I don't think that, you know, Kyle Walker is like a speed guy, right? Like we know that he relies on on speed first. Um, I think that the way that they were going to be playing, it made sense for, uh, I can't believe I'm defending Guardiola's um, choice to do this, but Ake is the only left-footed defender that they have. And so I think that removing Walker, because they didn't need Inter Dan have anybody uh, that that is a speed guy um, playing, they didn't need to rely on that. And instead, they needed someone who was more tactical, who was more versatile, and is way more disciplined than Walker is um, playing on defense. And I think that that's what we ended up seeing because Ake is as someone who has seen him go through. You guys forget, he's a Chelsea product. He's a Cobham. He's an, uh, an academy product. Uh, Ake is used to playing different roles on the back line. And he's very versatile. So I think that making that making him start and then seeing if something wasn't working would be something that would be easier to tweak rather than starting with Walker and then not knowing how to move Walker around, how to position him. So Yeah, and it allowed uh Akanji to to play where Walker normally would be, right? And Akanji had like was everywhere. Like he he I thought he was like the best in in city's defense on the day um and they i mean city's defense was actually exposed a few times but um i think akanji at least he he was the best defender for them um and i don't know or maybe you can give us an insight because you're the probably the only one who like has watched more than a small handful of inter games this season like i'm not sure if like was there like a particular threat that they were trying to deal with is there some type of um something that comes down uh, inter's left attacking side that yeah, I don't know. So, so that's that's what I was going to allude to because in in my head, one thing that Inter does really well this season, they've done really well, is uh, um, 
the, the I'm now for some reason I'm blanking on their names, but DeMarco uh, and 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 Denzel Dumfries, the way they play, if you see some of the goals they've scored this season, they were it's felt like they were almost like the winger that was, and, and basically DeMarco would either pass to Dumfries to score or Dumfries would pass to DeMarco to score. So uh, the way that happens is because you know obviously once they've won the ball in the middle of the park. Brozovic or uh, Hakan sends the ball down to DeMarco, who is already known to start running. We also have good playing uh, centre-backs like Bastoni, very good at playing long balls from the back. So I felt, in my opinion, I felt that it would make more sense to play Kyle Walker because if you get caught out like that, which is possible because Inter, uh, City plays like five in the front or something like that, something that, you know, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but basically they play five in the front. Um, at some point, you're going to get cut out. And who's the one person that you need to catch up with that person that is running down the flank? It's Kyle Walker. So that's my... like. I actually love what what Manny's saying. And I get it, and it makes sense to me. Um, and probably, obviously, it looks like it worked out for the best. But before watching the game, I was worried about that. And that's why I felt that Kyle Walker should have started this game. At least he could cover the DeMarco side. That way, whoever plays the left-back side of the centre-back three pairing from Man City will know to always be more reserved. And and then Kyle Walker can push up a little bit and press on DeMarco, right? So, I don't know. Obviously, it worked out well, but I just thought it was a... I don't know. For changing from something that worked was a huge risk. Although it paid off, it was still a, a very huge risk. And if it was another team, like a Bayern... Or Real Madrid in the final, I think that could have it could have gone the other way, if I'm being honest. Well, here's a question for you: Do you think City's? I think yes, I agree. If if City had lost this game and they had every opportunity to do so with the opportunities, and we'll talk about it that the scoring opportunities that Inter got, especially in the second half, um, they could have easily lost the game. And then obviously this would be yet again like a huge indictment against Pep. We'd be having a completely different conversation instead of like saying like, oh, well, this, it worked out, right? Like, so Pep saw something and it worked out. It would be like disastrous decision by Pep again to shake things up in a final, like a major final, right? That'd be the conversation we'd be having. Um, so, but my question is, do you think City's kind of um, uh, up and down performance on the day could be attributed to these types of tactical decisions, or was it a purely mentality game? Was it just yeah. only like, hey, this is the big one. There's so much pressure on us. We've already been here. We've failed before. Everyone expects us to win. Everyone, not only do most people expect us to win, they expect us to blow out Inter. Um, it was just like it was just simply like the pressure getting to these players' heads, which just seems ridiculous because City's like, you know, they they always seem to perform under pressure, but in this one competition, um, maybe it was mentally taxing for them, and that's why they looked a little lackluster at times. What do you think? Manny, I have a thought about this, but I'll, I'll let you go first. Honestly, I just think that the way that Inter had been playing, the way that City had been playing, there was only one way that they could they could actually um do damage and and be effective 
I'm thinking about like the previous game against Brentford, for example, the week before. And I know that, you know, everything was already decided, whatever, maybe City were already in cruise control, paying more attention to the Champions League, but Brentford ended up winning and giving them a, a hard time. But this wasn't the first time that Brentford has this season given City, you know, um, a hard time, you know. And I saw that the way that they've been playing, and I've noticed that, and this goes back to uh, the way that Chelsea uh, uh, played them in the Champions League a few years ago in the final, uh, the way to make sure that City doesn't, isn't the City, you know, that, that they normally are is to pull those players out of position to make them go around. So City plays best when it's compact, right? But the full, uh, the, the wing backs for Inter were playing very wide and it was pulling different players around. And we saw that in the first like 15 minutes um, that they were already giving them issues. The sad thing about Inter is, and you're right, Bori, a team like Real Madrid with the city for, uh, formation or lineup would have easily taken advantage of it and put this game away, put those chances away that the Inter had. Um, Inter have an older squad. They don't have guys that are very fast. In fact, I, I the one question that I have about this whole, about the subs, well, a few questions, but one of the things that stood out to me about the subs that Inter and Inzaghi made or failed to make was um, putting a player like uh, Correa um, and in sooner, taking out someone like Chalunaglu, for example, and trying to give something of like a, a more versatile, pacey um, uh, winger, if you will, um, especially because, uh, like you said, Akanji, we've talked about it, Ake, like those guys aren't fast or not Kyle Walker, but I feel like they could have been exploited there. And obviously, we'll get into the clinical finishing or lack thereof later on. So you think it was more uh, a tactics than a mentality issue that Man City was facing. Yeah, I think yeah, that it well, was something that. Well, here's the thing. Yes, Bori. Italian teams are. I mean, you know, Inter and Bori can talk to about this more, but um, I feel like technically he got everything spot on that he should have. And yeah, you know, if those chances that they missed in and in, in the first half, especially at the very beginning of the game, if, you know, if they score one or two of those, um, then it's a different story. They could have been two up on that yeah. before before they even scored the first goal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then it's a different story because what what does Pep do then, right? Like, wh- what does City do then? How do they adapt? They would right. be chasing the game. Inter, would, Inter is an Italian team. All they have to do is just sit back and defend, right? Like, yeah. you know, there wouldn't well, be, so, wouldn't be different I, for them. I do want to say, like, Manny, I don't fully agree with you there because a few things. Yes, yes, Inter was was tactical, very tactical. You know, one thing that really stood out to me is obviously you, you said yourself, Manny, that like Inter leverages the wing, the flanks, like that's their thing, right? And um, so what what does a good team like City do? Well, they go in the middle, right? They target the middle. But what happened was the middle was a little crowded, even though technically there were only three people in the midfield, it was still a little crowded because you could see um, 
Jesus, I always forget the name when, when it's at the tip of my tongue. But you could see uh, Bastoni uh, coming up to help in the midfield a little bit to sort of block, um, you know, uh, the overlapping run by maybe John Stones. Um, and on the on the other side, uh, the ex-Milan man was was there to block uh, maybe De Bruyne from overlapping. You know, like there, there was a lot of tactical battle there. Um, and I, you know, even though those people, you know, Bastoni was like part of the three center backs for for Inter, um, they were still able to play a little dangerous and and sometimes still left Haaland to only face Acherbi, right? Which was, by the way, a dumb thing for them to do, but you know they had to do what they had to do. But that said, I think the only thing that really stands out to me, and why I say I don't agree with you fully, and yes, tactical, tactic, the tactical battle is part of it i think it was nerves and you could hear that from the cbs um uh interview that haaland did when harry was asking him and they were asking him like what do you think happened out there and haaland was and i'm paraphrasing saying something like we were scared we like you know they it was a mental thing and i know some people some journalists don't like to say like some people say oh footballs are made that like they don't care about the mental at the end of the day, it's a it's a mental thing. It's it's part of, like you have to be able to manage people mentally, and that's I think that's one thing Pep does well. But it's a mental thing. I think they felt really scared, and they weren't themselves. Look at some of the crosses that um, De Bruyne was playing. De Bruyne in the first half before you, he left the field is somebody that like you can bet your house that if he were to cross nine out of ten times, it's getting to his target, right? You can bet your house on that. And while I'm trying to parse through this opt analysis data on De Bruyne's crossing, I remember vividly watching De Bruyne and be like, what the hell? Like, I was, I'm number one fan of Kevin De Bruyne. And I'm, I'm like, what is he playing right now? And you could tell it's nerves. There's no way it's not nerves. Um, and, and I think that is really what played into this whole game um, for, for City. Um, and that, given that, having said all that, City still had more shots on target than Inter in the first half. So yeah, I mean, look at Ederson, right? Like, no matter what changed in front of him in terms of like personnel or tactics, like he has the same. You know, Ederson, the goalkeeper for Manchester City, has the same game plan every single game, right? In this game, for some reason, he looked a little uh, shaky, a little iffy, especially in the first half. I thought. So um, I think that that definitely speaks to your point, Bory, that like nerves were affecting a lot of players on the field for Man City. Yeah. And just quick update on the stats. I mean, OK, I know this is a stupid stat. I'm sorry I'm bringing stats into this. But De Bruyne first half had two unsuccessful um, open play crosses, which, again, that's uh, I need to find the total number of crosses he had in the first half. But Kevin De Bruyne, if he's crossing, you know, it's getting there. Um, unless there's a sharp defender. So to me, that Kevin De Bruyne was not himself. Um, and, and that's why I think that like nerves definitely played a huge part in this in this final. Um, so Okay. Do we want to go through the game itself now? Yeah. Like um, the first well, half events. Yeah, speaking of yeah. speaking of De Bruyne. Yeah, speaking of De Bruyne, you know, I mean, how does this happen twice? Uh, in in a in a row or yeah. twice in the final. Sad. I mean, Manny would know about that, right? Because because he he was injured. First of all, 
first of all, that was that that injury. I mean, it, it was not intentional. Like it's just Rudiger being Rudiger, standing his ground, man. Like you can't you can't put that on him. Uh, this one though um, is on Kevin De Bruyne because uh, reports came out after the game that said that he had been he's been injured for a few months now. Um, you know, so I I I, I think. A few months is two months, I, I believe, is what what I read. And two months ago, they still had very big games to play, and I remember him playing in those games. Like he didn't necessarily see out the full ninety minutes, but he still contributed, right? And so right. that makes you wonder as well. Like, was that something that they could have foregone to make sure that he was one hundred percent injury free and healthy? to play in the final um wait you're talking you're saying the games after the one the epl he's well he still was playing some games is that what you're saying no i'm saying like he the reports stated that he was injured like for like the last two months or something like right. that. within those right. two months there still were high profile games and even uh i i understand with the rotation in city you know that's something that they go through every season but I remember him playing certain games, you know, 70 minutes, 80 minutes. It's still a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And the way that City play, it's kind of like next man up mentality. Do, did they really need him um, if they wanted him to be 100% healthy is what I'm getting at. Well, like I think managed it I, a little better. I, I agree with Manny. They should have shut De Bruyne down in the EPL for the last two months of the season. I think that's exactly what they should have done. I, I think they would yeah, have won, though, right? I, well, I, I don't just, think they would have Just in saying though. that for various for different reasons, but yeah. I'm saying that <laughs> for 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 De Bruyne, knowing that um, the last time around you you couldn't finish a Champions League final, you better believe like me as a player, as much as I want to compete, I want to save myself for that final, right? Like for said final, um, but. It it really doesn't matter. Does it matter like now? Because they ended up doing well anyways. The one thing I will say is um, the other thing that really stuck out to me um, from this whole thing is the fact that Phil Foden is extremely overrated. Um, and he's not yet, he, he doesn't even fill half of Kevin De Bruyne's cleats at this point. Like he, He's a totally he's, different player. I don't know. Right. I, 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 but I, like. I, but like I've been you saying said, like the next man up. Been, yeah, go ahead. The next man up mentality. I feel like it, it, that works for everywhere on Pep's team except for De Bruyne and now Holland, right? Where like if either one of those guys doesn't play, it's a significant downgrade or a total retooling well, tactically of what that position is I supposed would, to do. I would actually disagree with the Holland one because every time Julian Alvarez has come on, he's actually made a difference. Um, I actually feel, uh, from Holland Doff, yes, you lose, um, kind of that target man, um, uh, ability, but Julian Alvarez, you know, has shown to be able to play, um, again, well within the system. Um, Foden trying to replicate what KDB means to this team. I don't think it's ever going to happen. Um, but I've seen a lot of city fans and, uh, city pundits put uh, Foden on a pedestal when he hasn't accomplished anything yet and well, actually try to say that he's able to 
uh, replicate with KDB or fill in that hole. And I feel like the guy who can do it is a guy that they're about to let go or sell in a few weeks' time. Good one. I mean, you take your pick, Gundogan or Silva. Right, that's that's fair. I mean, I think I think Foden is good for his age, though, I, for sure. I mean, I, I think he's one of the best in in his role. But I I think yeah, you're right. I don't think he can fill KDB's shoes right now. Um, so that's probably why they're going to keep hold of KDB until whenever he signs his contract till. Um, but but it's a fair point. Um, and and not not discounting. Um. I, I do think that Foden was okay, but that miss that he had could have cost them. Um, that one in the second half, we'll, we'll get there. Um, I, I do want to touch on on, on Holland, um, and I think I've seen different opinions about this, especially from Inter fans online. Um, I think some people are thinking that you know Acherbi stopped Holland, but um, I actually don't think that's the Thing, and I'm going to bring my data stats, um, and so I'm going to start with this. Um, so first of all, um, Haaland did not do anything. He only had nine touches in the first half. Um, he had two successful passes in the first half. That's that's it, and they were all wide um, to Grealish, um, or maybe Kevin and maybe Kevin De Bruyne. Um, had only one shot on target target in the first half. Um, so basically that was his event just two key passes and one shot on target so how can we what do we attribute that to and and you know what i'm trying to pull out here is i guess it sounds to me that the midfield and the way Nzagi set up his team stifles the passes to holland and now we don't know what's going, what would have happened if Kevin De Bruyne was still able to play, but I think that's part of it of uh, you know part of why Holland was not successful at least in the first half. Um, any any thoughts about that? Yeah, for sure. I think Inter's game plan was, you know, as I'm sure wasn't really a big surprise to anyone, prevent the ball from getting to Holland as much as possible, um, cut down passing lanes. Like you said, they crowded the midfield in a really interesting and like effective way i think man city like we're getting frustrated usually they move the ball around so so well and uh but they couldn't get it to their key man up top i think it should be actually did a really good job marking holland as well i mean he's 35 years old it was like you said maybe ill-advised to make him mark holland uh man man to man all game but uh he did he actually did a, a decent job i will say Maybe the problem is also Holland and, um, you know, I think this is like probably the most, I think this is the most matches he's played in his career in a season. Like, you know, he's had a few injury issues, but he's been healthy this season for the most part. Um, obviously, he also had the World Cup break, but that's a digression. But um, Holland, EPL goal uh, record setter. Only one goal in the last eight matches, his last eight appearances of the season across all competitions. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe he was just uh, feeling a little bit of fatigue. The fatigue plus the mentality issues that you were talking about before, Ori. Yeah. No, but you bring think, up a good point. You bring up a good point, Justin. Let do we? You know, we'll never know if if 
uh, Norway had actually participated in the World Cup and Holland didn't have that time off, would he have broken all those records? You know, we'll never know. Well, yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, yeah, interesting. Uh, he was hot at the time. Um, but, you know, it's very interesting about the injury thing. Um, and I think I, I don't know where I was listening to this, but it seemed like obviously City knew about this injury issues that he had at Dortmund and they took special care of that. I think they like hired certain doctors or whatever, um, which is amazing because I don't think Holland was out this season due to injury. Right. Like, I don't think he was. Was there a time when he was out? You no, know, he was like ill for like two games. Yeah, oh, no, length, no lengthy <laughs> absences. No, no lengthy. And, I mean, like, I think that was part of their pitch. Yeah, boy, what you said. I, I think that was part of their pitch to Holland when, like, you know, he was last summer. Was basically they told him, if you don't want to play or if you feel concerned about something that you've been feeling like you know that's been niggling you during uh, training we shut you down like you you basically holland has full control over whether he plays or not um and he chose to play and yeah obviously you know he had a, a history setting year so uh he obviously was feeling pretty good feeling pretty great all year long but uh something happened here at the end where he kind of tailed off um and was not scoring at the rate that he was for for much of the season yeah anyways let, let's move on to the second half i think first half uh, obviously, it was a chess game. Um, something changed in the second half, though, because one, that was where they, the CC scored their goal. Um, and I think this is part of what I wanted to say about playing this way against Pep. I think it's a lesson for everybody. And it's like you can never be perfect for 100% of the game because there will be, you know, maybe it's the last minute you're going to just lose concentration, which is what happened. Um, so that said, um, I think that's one thing that Pep does well uh, and his players is to capitalize on mistakes. And you can see that in the second goal, I think, um, was it Akanji made, gave that through ball to Stones, um, which be, and normally Bastoni should have caught that. But uh, you could clearly see that they were tired. Actually, if you if you watch the highlights again, you could see that they were fatigue was already being set in, which is how they, they scored the goal. But amazing goal by Rodri. I mean, what a goal. I've watched that goal many times from the angle. I don't know if you remember the angle I'm, I'm talking about where uh, Hakan and for some reason, I'm forgetting this guy's name, but um, the the goal from Rodri's behind Rodri's the angle behind Rodri is like superb. Like that goal is just freaking, freaking nice. Um, uh, did, did did you both did, did any of you see the the angle I'm talking about the angle that shows the ball just going behind both players? Um, it was it was amazing. Yeah, that that was a great shot. But I mean, Roji is that technical player who he scored goals like that over and over. You know, where they're very uh, it's like a tactical like a placement. But the thing about Roji is he also has power behind it as well. You know, and it, there was nothing, you know, a lot, I, I saw a lot of um, uh, reactions to the goal saying that uh, the goalkeeper could have done something different. There was nothing. No, there's no way. There's two players in front of him uh, that, you know, blocking his view, um, you know, the, the, the power and the pace and the placement was perfect. 
There was nothing he could have done. In fact, I put that goal on uh, Chalunaglu, who could have done more to try to right. block instead of just like kind of like turn sideways and you know, like Dumb, come on, yeah. man, it's a Champions League final. Like yeah. you got to lay it all out, right? Like there's you can't risk, especially on those. Like how many times I think when um, I, I would I don't know the statistics on this. Uh, or if it even exists, but in my mind, when someone gets to the byline and cuts a ball back, I'd say like it's got a 50-50 chance of going into the back of the net when you have like a runner, you know, everyone from the forwards and the defenders running past the ball and then it's just there perfectly set up for someone to do what Roji did, you know? Yeah, um, it was really that that entrance pass to Silva that unlocked the goal. I mean, like, you look at the goal like the free like if you freeze frame right before Silva makes the pass. It's Silva. Oh, I think I think we'll see it there, Justin. If you if you were talking inner players. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I just say yeah. Basically, I'll just second what what Manny said. And the, the pass, the entry pass to uh, enable the cutback is like really what which just like kind of shattered Inter's defensive formation. And that ball, when it cut back, I don't know about you all, but it felt like it like was just bouncing in the box for like so long. It felt like right. it was just like, like time froze. It was just like, it was, there's yeah. like so much space sitting there, like in the center of the box and the ball was just yeah. like slowly bouncing out. And then Raji comes flying in and like, yeah, it's just a great hit. Side foots it. Yep. Yeah, what a goal. Um, I just want, yeah, definitely. But but that's not the only thing that happened in the second half because in the second half was the introduction Let's... of Lukaku. Um, and, uh, you know, one thing to also note here, uh, after the second half, after the game, only two subs for City, which is, you know, a pep thing to do. But um, there was the introduction of Gosens um, and Lukaku. Um, and we I want to talk about that because I think we have a Chelsea fan on, on the call, so... We have to make sure we we <laughs> we see what his state of mind is for next season. Um, but uh, I think in the second half, uh, and I'm trying to pull up my stats. First of all, um, when it comes to overall XG of the game, um, it's clear that Inter should have should have won this by almost two goals um, compared to to um, City's you know, just slightly over just one goal. Um, that was the expected goals. I think I think the thing that obviously stands out to me, there were about two incidents, at least that I can remember. Uh, the first was involving um, DeMarco and where he headed the ball, hit the bar. Just this was right after the goal, by the way. I think it was just a, few, a minute yeah. or so after the goal of City. Um, and then it came back to DeMarco, um, and he tried to head into the ball, and guess what was there? It was a defensive um, <laughs> play donkey. from, from Lukaku. There, there was a donkey in the way. <laughs> okay, was, all right, hold okay. on. Okay can, okay, can I just say something real quick? Sure. What should he have done in that situation? What should yeah. Lukaku have done? I agree. That's not Lukaku. What are you fault? talking about? I agree. Okay. How many times have you seen um, where players are in a similar situation where uh, the furthest player forward jumps or tries to make some attempt to jump out of the way? Like, I, I, 
I see it all the time where they know that a ball is going to be struck by a teammate that's behind them and they're in the way and they'll try to dodge out of the way or jump. The, the most natural reaction, I think, is to jump up, right? He didn't even try to jump up. Like, that's the thing that, 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 that gets me, right? Like, it's like the fact that there was no attempt made. And then um, the other thing that you're missing is, uh, I know that you're calling out the Lukaku miss, but I clearly remember uh, a ball that was given away by, I think it was like a kanji. Oh, yeah, a kanji, yeah. Um, it was like a back back pass to Ederson From, that was yeah. left half, like, in the middle, and Ederson didn't come out to 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 try to get to it and Lotaro completely missed that like shanked the shot like tried, it, was, it was a tight angle it was I think that no, was it more was a tight angle but when you when you saw the replay um you know you always go for the five hole man you know the keeper is going to come out stretched fully stretched out legs out like you go for the five hole and he tried what to put by the five I, hole I think uh, the in between the legs oh I see I see should have he should have he should have made him, or he should have made a decision to play the pass quicker. Um, I think he hesitated. He didn't know whether to take the shot or make the yeah. pass. And you know that goal goes in. It was very early That's on in the second half. Yeah. It's it's it changes the the whole complexion of the game. But yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to go back to the, the, to the headers though from. Both of these, yeah, these are the two incidents. I know, Boria, I know you mentioned two incidences that were stuck out in your mind. These were the two that we're talking about now that stuck out for me was, yeah, DeMarco um, and then, yeah, uh, Latoro Martinez's decision not to pass, not to square the ball to Lukaku on the breakaway. Um, Would he have scored it? DeMarco? Do you think he would have scored that? Okay. I don't know. It was a tough pass. To, to it depends. Also. It depends. If he hits the ball, no. But if the ball hits him, yes. <laughs> I thought I thought the Marco headers. I just gotta say this. I thought the Demarco headers was just simply awful. I thought that was so bad. Like he could he also could have like just let the ball drop and then just just strike it, man. Oh, Instead, I see. Like, I see. He hit this like the first header. Like he he like he hits this like rainbow header. That like right. loops up and off the crossbar, and then he follows it up yeah. with another header. It's like just. I yeah. agree. I, 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 I think he's going to put the ball dropping like, it. He, he definitely had a head. chance to to take a touch, maybe like, uh, you know, uh, off his chest or whatever, like bring it down. Uh, maybe had not the ball like, Luka- or like yeah, chest it to Lukaku. He's right, standing right there also. Yeah, or do do something, or yeah, I I agree. I I it was actually. I was surprised when he, the first header, it actually hit the the bar because I thought it was over. I was like, it's gone over. Like, it, it, what a waste of a chance. And the fact that they got a second chance and still couldn't put it away, like, come on, you know, at yeah, that point. Yeah. And and I, I think that, honestly, I wasn't talking about, I had forgotten about the uh, Lautaro chance, but the other opportunity for Inter that I saw was the Jamarca cross to Lukaku, where he headed it and somehow Edison saved that. And if I'm being honest, I think that should have been a goal. I think that's honestly something on, on Lukaku um, that, you know, it, it says a lot. And again, I don't know what the future of Lukaku looks like in Inter. I know the issue is he wants to stay. Um, but, um, you know, Inter has financial woes and also 
Um, I don't know. I don't know. But I, I can't. Oh, actually, that. I, but I do have no a question point. for you, Bori. As our Serie A expert, how do you think the Inter diehard fans feel about Lukaku after witnessing his horrible, horrible miss and performance in the Champions League final? Do you think that they still feel the same way that, you know, yeah, I know he went on and he prof- we all know like the history he professes love while being at Chelsea enter Chelsea said you know get out of here we'll send you back on loan do you think that the Inter fans really do want him back and love him the way that he thinks or they do or do you think that this is something that um as you know as a as a professional football player um his ego gets the best of him and he thinks and it's not really what it seems it's not that they want him back like how do you think that they'll they feel after that horrible miss? Because he could have single handedly changed the entire outcome. Yeah, of course. If he had been think, clinical and done his yeah. job. Yeah, no, no, you're right. And obviously, I don't know. I don't have a dead analysis situation where I've I've polled a bunch of Inter fans, but from from the sentiment I've seen, I've not seen too much um, faults from Inter fans specifically to Lukaku in terms of like you know we should send him back to Chelsea that kind of thing I've not, I've not seen any of that um what I've seen is other people from like Milan fans and other people from you know the English the EPL that know Lukaku very well making fun of him um uh, because of those misses so I think Inter didn't Inter fans did not expect to win the game they 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 Obviously, looking at the game now, they realized they were so close to winning the game, or at least having a, at least moving up onto extra time at least. Um, so, and you have to remember, Inter is in a financial problem. Uh, they are, they have a lot of debt, um, and basically, the the and we can have a whole brand new podcast about this whole financial situation in Italy. But essentially, they have multiple people that they borrowed money from. And they're trying to collect the money, and it looks like they're going to default on on their on their loan. So, I think Inter fans will take anything, um, because there's something coming, either a sanction or a sale or something, um, that would prevent them from being able to buy play or afford players like Lukaku. So, um, I don't think they can beg. Um, oh, I, sorry, I don't think they can wait. They can choose. They have to beg essentially. So, I think that's where. I think that's where a lot of Inter fans are. That's where their heads at. Um, obviously, there's regret, but obviously, if you if if you tell them right now that they will they could have Lukaku back um, next year because maybe Lautaro will be gone and Jacko is old, they will probably say that's fine because that's the situation that we're dealing with right now. Um, so that that's just my 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 again. I don't know truly, but hey, I, no, I, I'm putting myself in their shoes. No one was rooting for. Lukaku to perform well and score the equalizer in this game than Chelsea fans because they're trying to offload him this summer. And then now the lasting impression going into the transfer window is up. Uh, there's, there's that, oh. that old Lukaku we know and love. Now I realize and, why Manuel was asking listen, me that question. <laughs> no, well, listen, this was a, for any Chelsea fan, this was a d- double-edged sword, if you will, because Nobody, no Chelsea fan wanted to see City win it, and no Chelsea fan wanted to see 
uh, Lukaku, you know, look like uh, the donkey that he is and repeat uh, the performance that he had in the World Cup. And ultimately, you know, that that's he did himself no favors, you know, like, and so now uh, we're stuck here between a rock and a hard place. But um, I'm hoping the reports that came out earlier today are true. And uh, our friends in the Middle East, you know, our friends, the, the Saudi League, a.k.a. the new Chinese League, uh, will come in and offer a ridiculous amount. And honestly, it doesn't even have to be a ridiculous amount. I think at this point, um, Chelsea, yeah, well, I mean, yes, he's under contract, but the fact that we just signed him, uh, amortization, um, his his uh, salary, getting his salary off the books, like, you know, trying to get us to as close as net zero as possible, any Chelsea fan will take that in a heartbeat. So I'm hoping that Lukaku shows his true colors and ends up taking the cash and suddenly forgets uh, about Inter fans and says, hey, uh, we had a good run, gives another unsanctioned interview, pisses off the Inter fans as well, um, and ends up playing in Saudi Arabia along with uh, you know, the likes of Ronaldo, and Benzema, and who else did they just sign? N'Golo Kante, and mm-hmm. Messi. Wait, 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 no, no, not Messi. <laughs> Messi, was smart en- Messi was smart enough to not take the cash. Yeah, and then come to... Uh, anyways, whatever, let's let's move on. I think we've, we've definitely talked about, about the the two, two bad performers in this game. Would love to talk about the people that, that really had a mark in this game, and and before we do that, you know, just second half, just to wrap that up. Um, expected goals ended up being 1.8 for Inter and 0.9 for City. I think really Inter fans uh, will look back now and say, "Damn, we could have could have won this game um, and had the fourth Champions League." Uh, but that didn't happen. But I do want to commend, go, go, uh, you know, like let's let's talk about Inter's keeper. I, I think this is a, a, a story from from remember about two years ago or so. He was banned for for doping. I don't know exactly what happened there. I don't know who's telling the truth or not. But the 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 TLDR is he he wasn't sure uh, he how that got into a system and you know they have people prepare his meals and stuff like that. So who knows? I I don't know what's what the truth is. But um but went over that overcame that and uh, was now eligible to play this season. Um and yeah there we go and and I think. He was very crucial to the way Inter played because think about he, he was basically playing like the fourth center back, um, uh, and and that really I think if I'm being honest I think that was the key to Inter being able to play the way they played and really stifle because if you think about it if Onana is the fourth center back then. They can really put up their resources up front to kind of choke the midfield uh, in, in a sense. Um, so I think that for me was the was the key to um, to this whole thing. But I have a question, pop quiz for 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 any of you. Um, what uh, academy did he go to? What what football? No, no, they would never oh. let that happen. Yeah, they would. You guys have let go so many yeah, that's great true. players. <laughs> you're, you're, fine. you're right. You're right. He went to La Masia. He went to La Masia, and that's that's the 
that's the testament of of uh, of that academy and and the way they play and to sh- just want uh, the only reason I'm saying this is because I love that brand of football and I just want to say the importance of that brand of football. Um, so, anyways, just wanted to to call that out. Well, also the uh, rise of uh, of playing out the back, right? Like I think like uh, the game has changed. We've seen it. Um, no longer do teams and coaches want their keepers to, you know, play a long pass or just boot it out. They want to recycle possession, right, and move it around. And, um, you know, Onana was, I remember the, he got banned and, you know, all the, you know, everything that went down uh, with his suspension. Um, but I really had not paid attention to how good he is with his feet until this game. And the fact that he did it against arguably the most um, intimidating forward um in in the game today right like holland is as quick as he is technical you know and the fact that there were a few times where holland was like two three yards away from him and he didn't hesitate to you know bring it back around and like play it out calmly he didn't get nervous i think he slipped one time um in the game like like while he had the ball um kicking it out but other than that, like they did, you know, he's he's amazing. And um, I'm hoping that somewhere if Lukaku doesn't go to Saudi Arabia, that Chelsea can convince him to do a swap and send uh, Onana. I'd take Onana over uh, for Lukaku straight swap, man. Call me crazy, but I'd do that. Yeah, well, uh, also, a ball playing a ball playing goalkeeper is not easy to find. Onana is probably going to be available, I would guess, in this summer. He's, I mean, he joined as a free agent, and if Inter needs to, they're worried about it, they have some money problems. Then but Inter, make- Inter does have money. Inter's in the Champions League. They got a, they got a runner-up money, and they, um, they made it to the Champions League. That's the, they got to pay off those debts. Well, they. Yeah, and they have a lot of debts. I, like they have the highest debts in Italy, for example. Um, probably more I than more than Juve. That's the that's the uh, what the stats says or the uh, wow. article I was reading the other day. But I can I can look I can confirm reconfirm. But I think the the issue with the whole Inter Inter Milan finance is that they the company that the Sunin is the name of the company that sort of bought them uh, back in the day um, and that company was not doing so well so they had to finance some of the other parts of the money they used to, like basically the debts that they incurred from buying Inter and so like some Americans apparently some American companies funded them some hedge funds I know how they are hedge funds are, are crazy so um, and obviously has interest in all that so i think they, they're definitely owing a lot of money and yes the champions league money helps but it's not enough to uh you know the other thing is they have also one of the highest uh, wage bills if not the highest wage bill in syria because their model was they will get free agents and um free agents want higher salaries yep. so right that's yeah you don't you don't 
So Onana Onana fits in that category, I would assume. So he can yeah, yeah. join as a free agent for I, I yeah, mean, high salary. So sorry. there you go. I'm sure Inter would only be more than willing to uh, take a call from Daddy Warbucks bully um, and pick up a <laughs> ah, bro. Like 80, 80 million Wait, or something. I, mean, for Onana. I thought I, I thought there was I don't know oh, if he's, 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 he's I, I thought I thought there was already contact, right? It's not the like they asked for Mayon, which why would AC Milan give Mayon away? And then the next person was Onana, right? Wasn't that the case for Chelsea? I mean. Yeah, but you know what's funny? You guys remember a few years ago when they were both uh, free agents and I said I'd take Mañan. Remember, uh, Bori, and, uh, when I yeah, was on sure. the league on? And I was like, that's the guy we should take. This was before we even signed uh, Mendy. And I was like, we're looking at the wrong league on uh, goalkeeper. We should be looking at him. But it is what it is. Um, they th- So this is the talks are that this week, Inter the inter brass or whoever makes the decisions will uh, meet with the Chelsea brass. And then um, they're going to decide which players they're going to sell, swap, keep loan. Right. I don't know, man. Like, yeah. And, and knowing inter, they'll probably say they have no money and knowing Chelsea, they'll probably say it's okay. We'll just loan you guys out like the players that you yeah. need. And then next year they're going to have, like three or four Chelsea players. So. Yep, yep. We'll definitely come back and talk about, about the transfer market. Um, but I, I think, you know, because of time, we're going to try to wrap this up. Um, but I think, um, you know, just real quick, Justin, if you're still able to talk to, you know, just want to, just to get your thoughts here. Um, also with Pep Guardiola being maybe, arguably the best coach of all time in, in this game. I would love to get your thoughts on, on that real quick. I mean, he's like what? He's in his mid fifties now, right? He's something like that, yeah. Yeah. So he's still got a, you know, if he wants to, a number of years ahead of him. So I guess we'll sort his all-time legacy when he's towards the end of his managerial career. But I think, without question, in my mind, he's the best of his generation, without a doubt, in terms of, yeah. I think Manny says, Manny, just, could you just quickly just Manny's tell disgusted. us why, why you think differently. I'm just going to leave you with this hint. If I speak, I am in trouble. <laughs> then that's all I'm going trouble. to say. And, I'm, and, I'm, and that's all I'm going to I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah. Um, let Guardiola go to Roma. No, let him go to um, Come on. the equivalent of Roma. Let him go. No. Listen to me. You, a manager like Pep doesn't wind up at Roma. Ex- Mourinho didn't wind up at Roma because he wants to be at Roma. He wound up at Roma because that's where his his successive failures at other clubs led him no, to be there. No, no, yes. no, no. Mourinho, Mourinho, you know why he ended up at Roma? Because he's tired. He didn't want to take the easy route like Pep Guardiola. He wants a challenge, no. man. You tell me. You Here's the thing. Chelsea or, or uh, City has won a championship. Uh, after spending two billion dollars or whatever it is, after uh, we forget, that's we forget the 115 charges that they have for yes. uh, financial breaches. Uh, Most so of them under what I'm getting at it is, it, no, Pep Guardiola has always gone to the top teams in every league that he's gone to. He's always gone to the team that has always been top dog, regardless Barcelona, Bayern Munich, and Manchester City, who had already won the league and accomplished some type of domestic 
success before he got there. The only thing that was elusive was the Champions League, but we all know how that goes. Mourinho went to a club, Roma, that is as broke as they come in the Serie A and took some B and C uh, list players and took them to a European Cup final, two back-to-back, and just lost it. I'd say, like, again, we've talked about it on some bad refereeing and whatnot, but regardless, he took him there. I want to see Guardiola take Luton Town. All right? Go, go, yeah, it's go, a fair go, point. go coach Luton Town, man. Go coach... It, it's uh, a fair point. A, a team that doesn't have the financial ba- backing and bottomless pits of money um, and isn't, like, as successful or hasn't been successful in decades and do what Mourinho did and then come back and talk to me about the GOAT. That's all I'm going to say. The special one yeah. is a special one for a reason. All right. Yeah, well, I, I feel similar, but I still think Pep is a great tactician, a great uh, player, uh, a great... He can transform a player. I, I think he's done that many times. Um, so that's why... I think for me, Pep and Mourinho are on the same level. Um, Pep has personally. Pep has radically revolutionized the tactics of the game. Yes, multiple times I agree. over. He's I changed I like the, the 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 template or like the 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 format to follow in the game multiple times, and I think that is that's the mark. I I, I hear what you're saying about like in terms of like going to the best clubs in respective countries or whatever. But he goes to the clubs that are, like you said, have had some domestic success and then elevates them even higher. Yeah. So to me, that's that that's still an accomplishment. But I hear you about, like, you know, um, the amount of money that he's had at his disposal at, at, at his clubs that he's been to. Yeah. Anyways, I think that's where we're going to leave it. Um, again, congratulations, City. Um, I think uh, next year will be fun. Um, and, you know, we're already going to see newcomers in the Champions League, like Newcastle and, and Arsenal. Sorry, Arsenal. I know it's been years. Um, but, um, yeah, that's all we have. Uh, we are on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. We'll talk to you hopefully shortly and soon. Uh, and, you know, there are a lot of transfer talks and transfer, you know, um, conversations we can have. Um, So, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next time. Um, See you later. Bye.